In this week's market update, Japan and Germany are at or near uncharted territory. Will the US follow suit? And all eyes are on inflation as the year-on-year comparisons improve in the UK. The market headlines are starting to turn more positive around the world as some key indexes break into new territory. The key question now is whether the world's most important market in the US follows suit after a year or so of being in limbo. Perhaps the most notable market performance at the moment is in Japan, where the Nikkei index stands at a 33-year high, up around 16% year-to-date and almost back to its long-standing peak, set in 1989 at the end of Japan's property and stock market bubble. Since then, Japan has been a byword for deflation, ageing demographics and economic stagflation. But the outlook is brighter now than for more than three decades. In part, this is because of the country's recent emergence from a long Covid slump, in which the country was slower off the mark than Western counterparts in rolling out vaccines. The economy was also hit hard by the complete collapse in inbound tourists from China, which have become a key driver of the country's tourist industry. In part two, Japan's resurgence is due to a return of modest levels of inflation to the economy. Deflation is a killer for economic growth because the incentive to spend drops away as people think that it will be cheaper to replace items in a year's time than now. This is one of the reasons why central banks target a low but stable inflation rate. It's the best formula for a robust economy. Japan is also becoming a more attractive investment destination because of steps being taken by government and the Tokyo Stock Exchange to make companies more investor-friendly and to raise their corporate value. Observers say more has happened on this front in the last two years than in the previous 30. Finally, Japan is being viewed by overseas investors as a safer alternative in the Asian region than China, following the recent deterioration in US-China relations and the unpredictability of policy in China towards certain key sectors, not to mention its unsuccessful zero-Covid policy. Inflows from foreign investors have soared this year, with around $30 billion looking for a home in Japanese stocks just in the past month or so. This is a massive turnaround after years in which Japan has been seen as a cheap market that it was safe to ignore. In recent decades, Japan has been left standing by more growth-focused markets like the US. But Japan is not the only market that's hitting new highs. Here in Europe, Germany's DAX index last week reached a record intraday level, surpassing its previous high set in November 2021. The DAX has risen by 17% this year in total return terms, in line with France's CAC index and well ahead of the FTSE 100, which did so well last year as energy prices rose, but has enjoyed a much more subdued 6% or so return year-to-date in 2023. The key driver in Europe is strong earnings, with the region standing out for positive forecast revisions. That, in turn, has been driven by strong household income growth, which has allowed companies to pass on cost increases in the form of higher retail prices. That has protected margins, during a period of relatively high inflation. Europe has also been a beneficiary of China's reopening from its long Covid winter. The region is a big exporter and, like Japan, benefits from an improving economic backdrop globally. European shares, again like Japan's, have benefited from a relative valuation advantage over the US, 
with markets trading in the low teens as a multiple of earnings compared with the US in the high teens. There have been strong share price rises across Germany's manufacturers, with companies like Mercedes up 12% this year. Others have done even better, with Adidas and Siemens, for example, up by nearly a quarter year-to-date. So, a key question is whether the US can follow suit. Its markets have been in something of a holding pattern for a year or so, with investors anticipating the knock-on effect of interest rate hikes on corporate earnings and leaving share valuations locked in a range of between about 15 and 18 since last summer. At the moment, that multiple is hitting up against the top of the range and the market feels like it wants to break out higher. History suggests that this kind of upward re-rating tends to happen two to three quarters ahead of a bottoming out of earnings, which suggests that the decline in profits will run its course by the end of the year. Now, this sounds neater than the US market actually is in practice. In fact, there are two market narratives going on at the same time in America. At the top end of the market capitalization range, a group of big growth stocks, a kind of new nifty 50, if you like, continues to lead the charge. The other 450 or so companies in the S&P 500 are still struggling. Earnings are only one part of the story, of course. The other key driver is interest rates, with the jury still out on whether A, interest rates have stopped rising following the quarter point hike earlier this month, and B, when they will start coming down again. With the labour market still running very hot, it's likely that the Federal Reserve will hold fire for some time before taking the risk of reducing the cost of borrowing again. The other key uncertainty in the US is the standoff over the so-called debt ceiling, which in theory prevents the US government from issuing any new bonds to continue paying its bills. It's thought that without congressional approval to sanction further bond issues, America could have to choose which bills to pay as soon as the 1st of June. And what that means in practice is that a deal is likely to be struck this week between the Republicans and Democrats. It's in no one's interest to spark a financial crisis by undermining faith in the US government's willingness to meet its obligations. It's just inconceivable that after the posturing, a deal won't be done. Here in the UK, the big story this week is inflation, with the latest reading from the Office for National Statistics on Wednesday expected to see a sharp fall in the headline inflation rate from the most recent 10.1% to perhaps as low as 8.4% as the year-on-year price comparisons start to look more favourable. The key driver of that fall will be last year's April hike in the domestic energy price cap to an average £2,500, dropping out of the annual calculation. From here on, inflation is expected to fall progressively back to target, with the Bank of England achieving its 2% goal by the end of next year or early in 2025. The potential fly in the ointment is that the underlying or core rate of inflation that excludes food, alcohol, tobacco and energy prices is due to rise from 6.2% to 6.5% this month, an increase that will support bank fears that wages are proving sticky and threatening a wage price spiral even as other prices start to moderate. The greater these so-called second round effects persist, then the harder it will be for the Bank of England to end its tightening cycle and in due course bring interest rates lower again. A second key feature to watch out for in the inflation data this week is what's happening with food prices. 
There are some early positive signs on this front, with supermarkets announcing cuts in the price of milk. But the annual rate of food inflation recently hit a 45-year high of 19%. And this is a particularly damaging part of the inflation mix, because food costs are a bigger part of the overall pie for poorer households who have a higher propensity to spend their incomes. So the potential wider economic hit of inflation is greater if it's disproportionately impacting households with lower incomes. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Investors should also note that the views expressed may longer be current and may have already been acted upon. Reference to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. It is meant for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. Issued by Financial Administration Services Limited, authorised and regulated in the UK by the Financial Conduct Authority. Fidelity, Fidelity International, the Fidelity International logo and F symbol are trademarks of FIL Limited.